0: So, over these last few weeks, we've been going through what I've nicknamed the ways, the words, the works of Jesus. Uh, but basically, we're working through the story of Jesus. Uh, we've been, we, we did the first kind of, you know, episodes, <laughs> season of, um, uh, at, at start of the year. And uh, so now we've been picking up mostly in Matthew chapter 8 and 9. And uh, so that's where we're hanging out. Except today, if you're turning in your Bibles, feel free to turn there. We're actually going to read it out of Mark chapter 2. Just because there's more detail in Mark chapter 2. So we're kind of basing what we're doing in the book of Matthew. Um, because sometimes the Gospels have the same stories, and, but they, you know, sometimes they don't. So we're basing it on Matthew, but I'm actually jumping around. Last week we read out of Luke because of the de- extra detail in there. But the ways the words the works, what I mean by that, and one of these phrases that's been coming out. Um, so what I mean by ways words works is, is that we get our thinking the way that Jesus thinks. And we, we learn his words so that we may talk like him and that we align our actions the way that he acted in the world. That's what we're talking about and because and, we're trying to be like Jesus as a people. That's what a follower of Jesus is. We are trying to be like him. And so there's these, this big statement that I've been making, and it's so interesting. Like, when I started, I, did, I don't think I saw it until I started preparing week two and week three, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a theme, and God is so much cleverer than I am. Uh, but the theme that I've noticed through this, and you'll see it on the screen, is, is that Jesus has authority. Jesus has authority over our physical issues. So on our first week, we talked about healing. Oh yeah, sorry, the... the Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28. It was given to him because of who he is and what he did. So he's been given all authority in the spiritual world and then in the physical world, in heavens and on earth, it's just, um, which is beautiful. And, but what does that look like? So the first week we talked about some healings uh, that Jesus performed, which is his taking authority over the physical world. And you'll, you'll see the scripture references there if you want to if you missed them and you want to reread it, uh, so basically they're all starting in Ma- Matthew chapter eight, and then today we're in not verse uh, chapter nine. the The second thing I'll, to point out was Jesus has authority over our circumstances, over the stuff that happens in our lives. And so we, we read about Jesus calming the storm, which was quite a profound experience for those guys. So Jesus has authority over our physical, uh, over our physical bodies. He can heal. He has authority over our circumstances, over the things that happen in the world. Uh, Jesus has, last week we talked about the spiritual world. Jesus has authority in the spiritual world, which is so important. And I know that it actually created a bit of discussion. Uh, ben mentioned that it created some discussion in our youth. And it wasn't just that group. It's actually a couple of groups uh, that really created some discussion. And this is powerful stuff. Jesus has authority in the spiritual world. We all need to embrace that. Because we're not only trying to be like him, but we've been called to represent him in the world. Which actually means that we've got authority. Not because you've got authority, but because you you carry the name of Jesus. And you carry the power and the presence of Jesus through his Holy Spirit. And so we actually have authority in that arena as well. Which is awesome and crazy and so much more to learn, I imagine, if you're anything like me. And today, what we're talking about is Jesus has authority over our emotional state, over our mental and emotional state. And today, we're really going to drill down on this topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness seems to be the theme that, I, that comes out of, of this chapter today. So like I said, we're going to read it out of Mark chapter 2, I'm going to pray, and then I'm actually going to show you a video clip. Did I actually ask you to download the video? If you, if you could just quickly, maybe Aiden, can you help uh, the video clip is on the Dropbox um, and it's just a little uh, and we're actually going to watch it from a show called The Chosen um, which is a fantastic illustration of this chapter. Father God, I just thank you. I just thank you for who you are. I just thank you that you've chosen us. It is a, quite a profound thing because we're not worthy. We're not worthy of, of your choice. We're not worthy of your forgiveness. We're not worthy of 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 your name. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You carry the name above all other names, and it is quite a humbling privilege to follow you, Lord. Help us do it well. Help us read your word today and be changed by it. God, give us soft hearts when it comes to what you want to say to us. Give us soft hearts when it comes to be challenged by your word and by your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you? Oh. <laughs> you can cut now. <laughs> fantastic. Isn't that a moving scene? I love that. I really encourage you to watch The Chosen. It's, um, it's I mean, it's a fantastic illustration of, of this. Let's just now read it out of Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Last week I read out of ESV and I struggled over the words. Uh, So here we go. Mark chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, carrying a paralysed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head and lowered the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralysed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Wow, what a wonderful story of healing. But there's actually a bigger theme there, and that is the story of forgiveness. That Jesus, in fact, has authority to forgive sins. Verse 10, so I will will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. So the story is a bold declaration, actually quite early on in Jesus' ministry, uh, that in fact Jesus is the Messiah. That, that's largely what he's proclaiming quite loudly in this story. The, the video clip uh, really, really highlighted that Jesus had a choice to make. See, previously um, in, the, in chapter 8, Jesus healed a leper, but it was you know, there wasn't a crowd, and he said, look, keep this to yourself. Don't, don't tell everyone. Keep it to yourself. Go and, go and show the priests so that you can be re-established into your society, but keep it to yourself. And so there was this kind of undercover agent kind of thing going on with Jesus early in his ministry. It's like he didn't want to get exposed too quickly. He didn't want it to explode and blow up too quickly. And But this kind of situation, it was kind of thrust upon him. Now, all of a sudden, the Pharisees are standing right there and, and this person is begging for, for Jesus to heal. Wow. And, uh, and that's what I liked about in that clip. It really showed that tension. I mean, you could see it wasn't scripted word for word, but I think they picked up something really interesting and that is there was a tension that Jesus was like, okay, if I respond and heal this man, I'm going to be exposed. And so rather than shy away and back off, Jesus stepped up and, then, and he was like, all right, if this is what we're doing, let's do it. And, um, and, and he said, look, okay, let's work it in. I, I don't, we don't know what he was preaching on before. Maybe he had something to for- do with forgiveness, I'm not sure. We don't know what... But all of a sudden, now he's chosen to use this man as an object lesson. To, to get his message across. In the same way that if one of you jumped up and did something weird in front of me, I may actually use you as an object lesson for what I'm preaching. Uh, <laughs> probably not as good as Jesus, so don't do it. Um, <laughs> I'll probably end up being, getting really embarrassed. But, um, but he's really making a point. The point is that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. That's his point. And he's making it boldly and loudly. It's interesting. Uh, everyone was amazed. The crowd was buzzing. The Pharisees, the Pharisees, were rattled and offended. Like it was, it was a, it was, a, it would have been amazing to be there. Now, I just want to highlight something. Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. It was his one of his favorite titles for himself. Do you know what the Son of Man is? Well, the, the simple definition of the Son of Man is actually I'm a human. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm a son of a man and a woman. Like, I'm a human. I'm just like you. Okay, but there's another layer to it. So I think Jesus kind of liked it because there's a level of humility in that. Hey, I'm just one of you. I'm just like you. And it was important for the Messiah actually to be human. Like, we talked about that last week, right? He's fully man, but also fully God. But there's another layer to this that you may or may not know, is that the Son of Man is actually a quote from one of the major prophets named Daniel. And so if we turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 7, it'll be on the screen for you. Uh, Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. This is one of those messianic prophecies describing who the Messiah is going to be. Okay? In verse 13, uh, this is Daniel's vision. So in my vision, at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. In other words, he's saying he's a human. Now, remember his vision, he was in, in, in heaven, right? And so it was a little bit surprising. But in my, uh, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led there into his presence. Verse 14, he was given authority glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is the one that will never be destroyed so this is daniel prophesying around 500 530 540 bc so 500 years before jesus He's prophesying this is what the Messiah is going to do this is what he's going to look like this is his ministry and so when Jesus says refers to himself as the son of man he's not just saying i'm a human he's actually saying i'm the guy that daniel talked about it's actually a really bold declaration he's saying i'm the messiah you can't really deny it i am the son of man he's he's saying it really clearly And so, like I said before, Jesus is fully man, fully God. Both are true statements. It's a really weird thing for us to get our heads around, but both are true statements. It is both humble and glorious for him to call himself this. Humble, I'm just like one of you. Glorious, I'm actually the Messiah. That's been prophesied about. You've all been waiting for me. And here I am. Crazy. In Daniel's prophecy, the Son of Man is given all authority, he's given and sovereign power. So you'll see it in the yellow there. He's given all authority, sorry, not all authority, he's given authority, uh, glory, and sovereign power. All the people of every nation will worship him, and his kingdom will not pass away or ever be destroyed. Wow, it's such a bold statement. I love it. So what does this mean for us today? Well, Jesus has authority and we need to honour Him. Okay? We need, to, we need to make sure that that is the posture of our hearts. We need to honour Him. We need to recognise that He's got authority. We need to give Him glory and, and that He has been given sovereign power. Sovereign. It's one of those words. Let me, let me describe my understanding of the word sovereign. Sovereign is, is that He has the ability... To step in at any given moment and do whatever he wants to do—that's what sovereign means. It's actually the same as uh, like a king today, like they're a sovereign or a sovereign government. They don't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that everything that happens happens according to his will. What it means is he's got the authority to step in at any in anything. So if if um, let's say we lived in a sovereign. Uh, well, we kind of do live in a sovereign, you know. But let's say a king is a more obvious example. So let's say King David, for example, or King Solomon. They were sovereign. And the people in their kingdom have a free will, and they would get about their business. But the sovereign king could step in at any moment and do basically whatever he wanted, which is part of the reason kings were so bad through history, because most of them are really selfish. Um, But Jesus is sovereign, and he has the authority to step in at any given moment. That's what we mean by sovereign. Wow. Okay, covered that. Let me ask you a question. Now, this is a confronting question, okay? Um, Was Jesus identifying this man's sin as linked to his paralysis? (laughs) Were you thinking that already? It's a really interesting question, and the truth is, I don't know the answer. Some, some teachers say, yep, absolutely, it's connected. Some people, it's not. Um, I actually don't think that that was the point that Jesus was trying to make. I, I do believe that our sin can cause physical, manifest in our body physically. Uh, absolutely, I think that's, that's, that's a, a proven thing. But, uh, you know, spiritually speaking. But I don't think that's the point that Jesus was trying to make here. So I'd hesitate connecting his paralysis with his sin at this point. There's two points that I think Jesus was trying to make. That Jesus was identifying the man's larger need. He had a bigger need. And that was his eternal state over his current state. He needed forgiveness more than he needed to be able to walk. Because forgiveness is this reconciliation with God that lasts forever. We understand this. We actually have the same issue. What, whenever you come to God with one of your problems, you you just imagine yourself in this situation, you've come to God with, Lord, I, I've come because my legs don't work. And he decides to forgive you instead. Well, actually, what a great gift. That is the more important thing. Because when we get to heaven, your legs are going to work. You'll have a resurrection body. Like, there's not going to be anything wrong with it. And forever, that's the state you'll be in. But you need to be there. (laughs) Your eternal state is more important than your current state. And I just think that that was Jesus' first point. And like I said, maybe it was connected to whatever he was talking about before. Um, Because it is interesting that he went straight there and says, hey, he's got authority to forgive sins. I think the second point... Uh, that Jesus was making was he started like I said before he used this guy as an object lesson. He used this guy as an object lesson He says, "So that you all understand that the Son of Man has authority." That was his second. That was his really his major point. And I'm just I'm just going to prove it all to you right now. And uh, like I said, a really bold declaration that he is in fact the Messiah, who has authority over the physical world, and clearly over forgiveness. Brilliant. Jesus had an agenda. Jesus had an agenda. And his agenda agenda was to represent that the kingdom of God has drawn near. That's actually a quote from Mark chapter 1. The kingdom of God has drawn near. What should our response be? I know some of you know this. Repent and believe. That's, sorry, that's an aside. I didn't, that's... The kingdom of God has drawn near. So Jesus has had an agenda. His agenda was to illustrate the fact that the kingdom of God has drawn near and that he has come to reconcile people with God through forgiveness. Reconciliation was a really big part of Jesus' agenda. Are you all with me? Let me read you a famous verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is God's agenda. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did, not send, uh, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the, in the name of the only Son of God. So we live in this condemned condition and Jesus has come to reconcile us to God. He's not come to condemn. He didn't come to, to be a bully or to pick on anyone. He actually came to fix our, fix our problem. The problem is we had sinned and had separated ourselves from God. Jesus came. His main agenda was to fix that problem and to demonstrate how much God loves us, which is an amazing thing. He came to reconcile people to God. He came to... Forg- and how did he do it? He did it through the forgiveness of sin. Because sin is the, is the tripping hazard. Sin is the thing standing between us and the Lord. And I love that point. He didn't come to condemn the world or to be, judged, to, to judgment, you know, to, to be judgmental over it. Forgiveness is, a path, is the path to reconciliation. Forgiveness is the path to reconciliation. He didn't come to judge. But that day is coming. Just, just to... I can't list, say he didn't come to judge and then not just explain. There is a second coming. And that second coming of Jesus marks judgment. He will come to judge. And like I said last week, it's actually a human that's going to be the judge. And that is Jesus. Jesus has been given that role. And he's, like I said, he's fully God, but he's fully human. And there will be someone who knows what it's like to live in this world, to be tempted by sin. He knows what it's like. He's a worthy to judge. No one will ever be able to point a finger at the Father God, you know, after, in, in eternity and say, how dare you? He, he, no one will be able to do that because Not only is he the creator and he can do what he likes, but more than that, he was so humble and he sent his son to actually live the life that we live, can relate to us pretty much in every way. He's been tempted in every way. And he didn't sin. And he's the only one worthy to actually judge us. And that he's the judge who we're going to stand before. And the most important question that will be asked on that day is, why didn't you accept my forgiveness? For those who aren't followers of Jesus, the question they'll be asked is, why didn't you accept my forgiveness? I came for the purpose of reconciliation, for the forgiveness of sins. And for believers, the question that will be asked and will be judged by is, why didn't you tell everyone about my good news? Why didn't you shout it from the rooftops? My purpose is I came to reconcile. I came to get for the forgiveness of sins. So his first coming was about reconciliation. His second coming marks judgment. But everyone needs to be given that choice, that opportunity. Our right response should be to shout it from the rooftops, that, that our sin has been forgiven, and that we have the best news in the whole world, is that we are reconciled to God. We no longer have to live separate. That is incredible. It is incredible. Forgiveness is very good news. Very good news. It is basically the heartbeat of the gospel. We don't deserve it. It's mercy. We don't deserve it. Jesus came to prepare a bride, or can I say a people, a nation that is worthy of living in his kingdom. Now, we're not worthy. We're sinners. So Jesus came to fix that problem and effectively to make us worthy, we're referred to as the bride of Christ. It's a it's a wonderful thing. It's weird if you're a bloke. Like you just recognise all the blokes are going, yeah, not comfortable, but it's okay, because you know all the just about every other place it's got a masculine tone to it, it so you know. Like, women have to put up with being called men all the time in the Bible. Um, but there you go. So we are prepared. He's, he's come to make a people who are actually worthy. Uh, and he did that by paying the price of our sin. And now we follow him. There's this crazy verse that we don't often talk about. But how, does, how, how much does God reconcile us? He actually forgets our sin. Let me read it for you. Isaiah 43 verse 25. So obviously it's the book of Isaiah, but this is written from God's perspective in this sentence. I, God speaking, even I am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Other versions say, and forgets your sins. It's an incredible thing. Like Like, is that even possible? Can you actually just choose to forget stuff? Um, I'm not sure that we can. Uh, I'm not even sure it's healthy for us to. When someone sins against us, it's actually not healthy for us just to... It's absolutely healthy for us to forgive, and that's where we're going with this. But it's probably not very healthy for us to forget. Like, for us, there's a level of, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, is one of the modern proverbs, right? Right? I don't know, it's a Bible proverb, it's just a modern proverb, um, but there's a level of truth to that, and in, in that I have a level of responsibility to guard myself. You've broken my trust, and now, you know, there's a level of, there's a bit of a wall there now between me and you, because you've broken my trust once, and now, you know, I forgive you, we're back in relationship, but, you know, there's always going I'm always going to remember that, that thing that you broke. And look, I get that. And like I said, uh, and, and Jesus, the funny thing is God doesn't even ask us to forget people's sins. He asks us to forgive them, though. But from God's perspective, I think what this verse is saying is God doesn't want anything to get in the way of our relationship with him. He actually says, I will remember your sins no more. So that he can be fully reconciled. So that when he looks at you and when he looks at me, he doesn't see a sinner. He actually sees uh, a fully redeemed, fully reconciled, fully forgiven, loved child of God. That's who he sees. Because he's chosen. Somehow, he's God, so he can do what he likes, right? But somehow he's chosen to forget the stuff that we've done. And, have, and now there's nothing standing between him and us. Isn't that a beautiful reality? It's one that, we're honestly, we don't deserve it. But it is beautiful. And one for us to embrace. He chooses to blot out our sins and forget it. Now let me just point you, you put that verse back up for us please. Um, whose sake does he do it for? Isn't that interesting? Because it says it right there in the middle. He does it for his sake. We would expect it to say to do it for our sake because we're the ones benefiting from it, right? And when I read this verse to people, this is one of the verses we go through in the baptism course. Uh, When I read this verse to people, the immediate assumption is, well, he did it for my sake, you know, as part of that mercy package. Well, it is part of the mercy package, but um, he actually did it for his sake. So that there is nothing standing between me and you and him. Isn't that beautiful? Isaiah 43, 25. And for his sake, he chooses to forget our sins. Credible. So, he does it for his sake. So that we can enjoy a fully restored relationship with him. We're fully reconciled. He doesn't want anything to stand between us and him. When God the Father looks at you and I, he sees us fully forgiven, fully reconciled, totally loved, totally accepted children of God. I know I was repeating myself, but it was worth it. So let's go back to the paralytic now. So Jesus saw that the man had a larger need and that his need was forgiveness. We all share this in common. We all need forgiveness way more than we need any of our other prayers to be answered. Like this is the biggest, our biggest need is, is for that, that reconciliation to God. Because we've all fallen short. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now let me just read, this verse is a bit confronting. Um, and it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Matthew chapter 6. This comes immediately after the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. You know, our Lord in heaven, kingdom come, your will be done, blah, 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 blah. Exactly, you could almost add it in, like it's come straight after. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses? First of all, this word trespass isn't something that we use a lot today for in reference to sin, but we understand what trespass means, right? You, you understand if somebody has a private property, you're not allowed to go onto their property without their permission. That's called trespassing, yeah? We all, we all get that. Um, and so this actually... Uh, is the same when it comes to our personhood, our, our, our own lives. Uh, when we often trespass on each other's privacy, on each other's personhood, you get into someone's space, maybe their physical boundaries, um, again, fighting and punching someone, bullying it all, it's a trespass on, on, on somebody else. And in many ways, this is sin. We do it both accidentally and intentionally. Yeah? So that's what the word trespass is, is referring to. It's, um, and often, and we trespass on God as well, can I say. Like he's told us you know, one way and then we do the opposite. That's rebellion, which is another form of trespass. So the, the word trespass and sin, are very, they're like synonyms. They're very much the same thing. Slightly different nuances, but very much the same thing. So, his way, the way of the kingdom, Jesus' way that he's tried to teach us, is that he's forgiven us a lot. He's forgiven us. And we've got to be people who forgive others. We don't have the right not to forgive other people. He's saying, I have forgiven you. That verse For you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. That is a confronting verse. Basically, what he's saying is, treat others the way you want me to treat you, Is is a really easy way to say that. Forgive others to the same level that you want me to forgive you. I don't know about you, but I want God to fully forgive me. And I've got to say, one of the first things that changed to me as a teenager when I accepted Jesus was I realized that I could no longer hold unforgiveness in my heart. I didn't have the right. I truly, we don't have the right to hold unforgiveness towards people. There were plenty of people in my life who, who needed my forgiveness. And it's a journey. And it's a journey. I'm not saying I'm, I managed it all in one moment. It was very much a journey. But we got to be people who forgive because we are forgiven. And there's plenty of parables we could turn to. The one that comes to mind is, is that, that guy who... Um, I didn't prepare to say this, but you remember there was a, uh, a king who, and there was someone who owed him a little bit of money and someone owed him a lot of money, yeah? And, and he, for, he chose to forgive both because they weren't in the position to repay the debts. And the one who owed um, a little bit of, hang on, the one who owed, uh, one of them was like, thank you so much. And the, and the other one all of a sudden was trying to get money out of other people even though they'd been forgiven a massive debt. Uh, and then that, the response was the king threw him in jail for the rest of his life. When we've been forgiven, we can't afford not to forgive. And so this brings me to a question. Who is God asking you to forgive today? Just before we read, we're not to judge each other. I'm just going to pick up back in um, Mark chapter 2 now and read the next little story. But I want you to be thinking about that because in a a little while we're going to share communion together and I'm going to invite you to actually do some prayer on this. But who is God putting in your heart right now? If there's someone in your life that you're probably thinking about them right now. You can see their face, you know their name, you know the situation. So let's just keep on reading Mark chapter 2. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to unpack this. So we're reading from verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming in to him, that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and followed him if you haven't seen the chosen that one who was sitting on the roof eating nuts out of that kid's bowl that's that's levi and he really doesn't feel worthy but you can see the thing i liked about that even though that wasn't necessary in the bible you can see that he's hungry he's fascinated with this person jesus And I imagine Jesus had seen him around. Maybe there was a look on Levi's face when he saw Jesus walking past. It's like, oh, I I want to, but I'm not worthy. And uh, that's why I think when Jesus just turned to him and said, follow me and be my disciple, that was a profound moment for him. And Jesus was literally not being judgmental. We'll keep reading. So Levi got up and followed him. Verse 15. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, and other versions say scribes as well, um, we talked about scribes a lot a couple of weeks ago, Saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? And Jesus heard this and he told them Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call those who, sorry, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners. See, tax collectors were especially hated among the Jews. Jews don't like parting with money. as I think that's still true today. Um, and, but they hated Levi especially because he was actually a Jew. He was one of them, but working for the enemy. Uh, he, was one, he was working for the Romans, but collecting money from the Jews. Like Romans were very clever how they did that. They got the Jews to actually do it. Um, so he was particularly hated. They they considered him a traitor. And often tax collectors would collect more money than they were allowed to collect, so they can you know feather their own nests, as it were. And uh, and that was a fairly common thing to do. So people would gen. Hang on. People are generally very prejudiced. And that's what we can see here. They're prejudiced against him because he's a tax collector. But the truth is, I think that's still a true statement today. People are generally quite prejudiced. We tend to gravitate towards people that are quite similar to us. Yeah, uh, maybe our nationality or or, you know, earning a similar kind of wage. You know, you've got you know, low economic middle and, and uh, you know, what are they, whatever they call all that, um, you know, white collar and blue collar. And we tend to gravitate towards people that are very similar to us. But that is not what Jesus was doing. That's not how he lived. He intentionally, I think there's a lot of intentionality, not just because I think God showed him who his disciples would be, but I think Jesus was kind of making a point when he chose Levi. He's like, no. We're not to be judgmental. I'm here to... to, This guy seems hungry for truth. And that's the kind of people I need on my team. People who are hungry for truth, no matter who they are. We tend to be very exclusive in our social networks, in just in how we live our lives. It comes very naturally to us. But Jesus was incredibly inclusive, radically inclusive offensively inclusive. The Pharisees looked at him and said, why are you hanging out with that scum? That's not what religious leaders do. It's true, that's not what they did. But Jesus was making a point. And I love just the end of that verse. I've come to help people who know they're not righteous. You guys think you're righteous. You're self-righteous. I don't have much time for you. I can't do much with that. But for people who know that they're sinners, I've got a lot of time for that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The religious folk thought that they were the acceptable bride of Christ. Remember, I said that before the bride of Christ? And he came to reconcile us to create this beautiful, clean bride. These religious folk thought that by obeying the laws and doing all the right things and exclude and, and keeping those dirty, rotten sinners away from us, that they'll keep themselves clean and they can somehow be acceptable through their own works. And Jesus was saying the opposite. He was saying, no, you're actually not going to get there that way. The only way is to stop being judgmental, stop judging other people's sins... Embrace this forgiveness thing that I'm demonstrating to you. Because obviously when Jesus upped the bar, he said, okay, you want to you wanna get there on your own merit? You've got to have zero sin. That's, that's a qualifier. You ne- never have sinned. And he lifted this bar so high that we, who especially looking in hindsight, it's a wonderful gift, um, we can go, oh my gosh, we're all sinners. All of us are. And if there are people out there in the world who look at the church the same way that those Pharisees acted and, and look at us and kind of go, oh, they hate us because dot, dot, dot. That's not cool. That's not how Jesus acted. That's not how he lived. He chose people uh, with such grace in his heart. People who knew that they weren't right. Guys, I think if any of us think that we are worthy of heaven, uh, you should probably repent. <laughs> because, you, because none of us are. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. We don't deserve to be considered God's people because we're all sinners. We're not worthy to judge others. And when we do, we run the risk of God's judgment on us. Remember that verse? I'll forgive you to the extent that you forgive others. That's a a scary reality. We've got to be people who forgive. We all need need forgiveness and we need to be people who forgive. We're not worthy to hold unforgiveness. I've said some of this already. There is this quote uh, from this lady named Mary Ann Williamson, who you might, this is a very famous quote that you might may have heard. It's, just, it's not in the Bible, just so you know. <laughs> but the quote is on the screen. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself, waiting for the other person to die. Unforgiveness is like me drinking poison, hoping that the person who did me wrong is going to die. That's not smart. That's why I like this quote. You can see how dumb that is, right? But that's what we do. We tend to go, oh, I'll never forgive you, as if it's going to hurt them. And maybe it does, because it'll break your relationship. But the truth is, unforgiveness, it is like poison. It gets in us, and it twists us up. It makes us bitter. It makes us hateful. It can even make us sick. There's lots of science nowadays talking about well-being and how actually... uh, Scientifically speaking, people who forgive and people who live in peace, they actually live longer than people who hate and and are bitter. (laughs) They've scientifically proven it now. I heard that and I just thought, that is wonderful. That's beautiful. I love that science is proving that God's way is the better way. (laughs) It's fantastic. So... I can keep saying the same thing over and over again. But I think for now, what we'll do is we're going to move into a time of communion. And I'm not going to get you to pass it around uh, because I think today it really does need to be a choice. What I want to invite you to reflect on is two things. One, and I think this is the most important one to do first, it's actually to thank God For how much you've been forgiven. Because that is the position you're in. He's forgiven you so much. All we needed to do is believe in 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 the name of Jesus Christ. We need to believe who he is and have embraced him and have chosen to follow him. And if that's you, then you live in a forgiven state. But then second to that is ask God is there someone that you need to forgive? Because the world around us has really trained us to be unforgiving, to be selfish, and to be hateful. And that's not God's people. That's not how Jesus told us to live. If there is someone that maybe they've sinned against you horribly, I've had people sin against me horribly. Like, horrible. But the truth is, I had to work through forgiveness for my own health. Maybe they asked for forgiveness. Maybe they didn't ask for forgiveness. Maybe they never will. Maybe they can't. Maybe they've they've already passed away. That's not the point of forgiveness. And let me just say, the point of forgiveness isn't to reconcile your relationship to make it just the way it was before. That's not the point. The point of forgiveness isn't to say, it's okay. I've, I've actually started when, when uh, my kids do something wrong against each other, and, you know, you go and say sorry, and, go sorry, uh, and then the, the, the normal answer is, it's okay. I've actually tried to start changing the language there. But just because you've asked for forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay. The correct response is, I forgive you. I acknowledge it's not Okay but I don't want that to stand between us now. I acknowledge that what you did was horrible, it was sinful, and it still hurts me, but I'm not going to carry that as baggage in my own life. That's forgiveness. It's not making it okay. And I think it's really important for you to understand that because there's all kinds of abusive relationships nowadays. Well, not just nowadays. It's probably for all of history. And I'm not saying it's okay, but I am saying for your own health, you need to forgive so that you can move past it. And maybe that relationship gets reconciled like maybe it doesn't. That's not the point of forgiveness in this case. The point of forgiveness begins with you and beautifully, it depends on how they respond to your forgiveness. Maybe your relationship gets reconciled. But they still have a free will and they get to choose. And if they choose to remain distant, well, that's, that's okay. But for us as followers of Jesus, we can't afford not to forgive people because we've been forgiven so much. So I'm just going to pray. and I'm just going to invite you to respond. And I'll invite the, the worship team to come up. And maybe just play. Just pay gently. It's a shame because I love this song. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you've forgiven me so much. Lord, we don't deserve your grace and yet you've extended it to us. We certainly don't deserve to be people who hold on to hate in our hearts because you've forgiven us so much. Lord, thank you. And during this moment, as we get to reflect and, and uh, reflect on what Jesus has done for us, Lord, oh, we are so grateful for the body and, and the blood that was broken and shed for us to pay the price of our sin. We don't deserve it, but Lord, we want to spend the rest of our lives honouring you and thanking you for that. And Lord, part of following you is to do things the way that you did it, the way that you've instructed us to do it, and that is to be forgiving people. So Lord, put it, help us do it. So there might be people here who really need your help to forgive someone else. Lord, I just pray for an extra amount of grace upon them this morning. That they will understand in a more tangible way how much they've been forgiven by you. And forgive others. Help us be people marked by forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. I was going to invite you to, maybe we'll just turn these lights out, and um, I was going to invite you to go back, grab communion if, when you're ready to, and just think on these two things. Just leave these, just leave these on, the, on the screen. We'll just let the worship team play or sing over us. But we'll just take this as a moment to reflect. Thank you. So when you're ready, you go ahead to the back and grab communion. Thank you.